You are Locked On Horn Frogs. Your daily podcast on the TCU Horn Frogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome into Locked On Horn Frogs, your daily TCU podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Simcox, and I promise I'm going to get to football. I usually lead with football. There's been a lot of off-season news, and we have big news to cover. We're going to do it in segment two. Oshawn Mathis, starting defensive end for TCU uh, for a number of years. He is hitting the transfer portal. So we'll discuss that in length in segment two. And I was planning on opening with that. I was planning on leading with that today. But friends, we have to talk about what happened with TCU basketball last night. Or tonight. I'm recording this late at night on... Wednesday, you're listening to it on Thursday, but TCU, so they get a victory. Let's just start there. Kind of scatterbrained. I'm sorry. TCU basketball, the men, they win tonight against Kansas State, 60-57 to on the road to move to 1-1 one one in Big 12 play. Uh, K-State was 0-3 in conference play coming into the game, they're now 0-4. Significant win for TCU. I think if you said before the game, hey, TCU's going to win by three points, um, that wouldn't be something that would shock a lot of people. Okay, cool. Got a victory. Move on. The way they got there was infuriating, fascinating, a lot of other adjectives that you could use. But I'm sitting there watching the game, and it's pretty rare. Like, I don't... I don't get angry about sports nearly as much as I used to. I get frustrated sometimes, but I've kind of gotten to a point in my fandom or my life, I don't know, whatever you want to decipher it, call it, whatever, where I, I just, I can control my emotions a little bit about these things. But I'm watching this game on Wednesday night, and like, I'm mad. I am upset. At how bad, because TCU just played so poorly during stretches of the basketball game. And this is a game they really needed to win, right? Like, you can, if you if you lose to K-State, like, you can say all the cliches about it's hard to win on the road, this is a very tough conference, deep, deepest conference in the nation. Okay, all those things are true. Bottom line is, if you are serious about being a tournament team, these are the types of games you have to win. And for 38 minutes on Wednesday night, it looked like this was a repeat of what we've seen a lot, unfortunately, from Jamie Dixon teams the last few years. A team that just can't handle their business against the bottom half of the conference. So, um, TCU leads at halftime 26-25, you know, sort of a rock fight of the first half. They fell behind early. They come back. They lead by one at the half. Second half of the game opens up. They actually go on a really nice run um, early in the second half and push the lead out to 10 points. And it's like, all right, cool. Have a chance now to take control of this ball game, possibly win it comfortably, you know, feel good about where you're at going into the weekend. And then they just start turning the ball over. Just possession after possession, throwing the ball away. And Damian Ball had a really tough night for the majority of the game. I mean, it was just 
miscommunication between him and, and Mike Miles. Um, just way too many turnovers. Being careless with the basketball. Team could not shoot tonight. I mean, you look at the final numbers. Frogs were 12 of 23 from the free throw line, 52%. 6 of 20 from 3, 30%. 39% from the field for the game. But they're struggling with defensive rotations. They're turning the ball over way too much. Um, Marcus Newell for uh, K-State just starts taking over. Like this 5'8 kid from Harlem. He's just scoring at will. He had 18 points on the night. And, I mean, midway through and late into the second half, he's just getting to the bucket whenever he wants. He's hitting some big threes. So, K-State suddenly pushes the lead after four or five points, and they kind of hold it there for a while. TCU comes back, cuts it to 52-51. And then they have a couple empty possessions. Newell hits a big three to extend the lead to four. And there's some back and forth, and we get to the point where TCU's down 57-52 with about a minute and a half left. And I'm just thinking, okay, this game's over. Like, they're going to lose this game. It's a dumb loss. It's a silly loss. 0-2 in conference play on deck. And the tide just started to turn. You know, ball gets to the line. He splits the free throws. It goes one of two. So now it's a four-point game. K-State misses the front end of a front end of a one and one. Or excuse me, they uh, they miss three. Um, Mike Miles comes down, misses a three, but Emmanuel Miller gets a rebound and gets a putback. So that's a two point game. K-State has the ball though, still with 27 seconds left. Still a good chance they win. And TCU is able to force a traveling call with some pressure defense in the backcourt. They get the ball back. Mike Miles drives in. The defense collapses on him. Kicks it out to Damian Ball, who was having a really rough night. And Ball drains a three. K-State comes down the court. They have a, a shot at point-blank range. It's contested, but still, like it was right there that they miss. Uh, Miles is fouled. He goes down. He knocks down the free throws. And TCU gets out of there with a uh, an absolute steal of a win, 60-57. to 57. Now, they did not play extremely well tonight, but they found a way to get it done. And credit to them, when they were down five with 90 seconds left, I mean, they could have packed it in, and nobody would have thought twice about it. And they found a way to get it done. That's a big win. It's a big win for team confidence. Now, there's a lot of things to clean up. They turned the ball over way too much tonight. This is still a team that just goes stretches. Like, they'll go four or five minutes and not get a bucket. And it's not even that they're missing shots. They're just not getting great looks. Like, the offense just gets so stagnant. Miles is still really the only guy that can create his own offense, create his own shot. But, hey, I would rather learn these lessons in a win than in a loss. So they find a way to get it done, 60-57. to 57. I give them credit for staying you know, mentally tough, hanging in there, figuring it out when the chips were down. And maybe this will be a springboard, right? Like, maybe this will be a springboard for the team moving forward. You know, at the end of the day, we're going to see if you won or lost. And as ugly as that game was at times, it's going to be a W uh, the rest of the way. They play Oklahoma this Saturday at 3 p.m. in Fort Worth. Porter Mosier doing a really nice job with the Sooners in year one. Um, but... Big win for TC basketball. And the TC women, they also survived 
on uh, Wednesday night. They get a victory over Oklahoma State in a game where they had to come back. They had to fight back after, uh, you know, a tough first half. They had a huge third quarter to take a 51-50 to lead. And then they were able to, you know, hold on from there and win 64-63. So a nice win for them. The first time they've played really well since the COVID pause. Good night for TCU basketball overall. When we come back, a uh, big name on the TCU defense is in the transfer portal. We'll discuss that. This is Locked on Horn Frogs. All right, welcome back to Locked on Horn Frogs. Segment number two coming your way. And uh, a big productive member of the TCU defense has hit the transfer portal. O'Shawn Mathis. This news started to leak out. Uh, I guess it was on Tuesday night. And then it became official Wednesday when O'Shawn announced that he was in the portal. Um, and we'll get to where he's going in a second or where it appears he's going. But last season he had four sacks, 30 tackles. Uh, in 2020 he had a really good year with nine sacks. Now I'll say this about O'Shawn. Like, he wasn't always super consistent. And I feel like he's one of those guys that expectations have – really clouded and made people form opinions about him. Like Gary, a few years ago in the off season, I don't remember the exact quote, but he said something to the effect of, you know, Oshan might be the best guy we've ever had come through here, or, or he has that potential, right? Like as far as defensive linemen, pass rushers, which is a really high bar and really high standard to set for somebody. Um, and he's shown flashes. You know, I'll say in 2020, he had nine sacks, which is an impressive number. Uh, you know, two of those were against Kansas, two were against Louisiana Tech, three were against Texas Tech. So he racked up a lot of that against some of the bottom, you know, cellar dwellers of the league and a group of five team. Um, now, last season, he did have a really good game against Oklahoma where he got to the quarterback uh, a couple times, and that was impressive. But that, that was another position group with him and Kyrie Coleman where you felt like, okay, these guys are going to be a great tandem. They're going to get to the quarterback. They're going to rush the passer. And it never really materialized that way. Now, Coleman um, had some injury issues, and that was one of the problems. But O'Shawn on the other side – um, while he did some good things, it just, it was never the week in and week out consistency that you would hope from him. Uh, so we'll see where he ends up. It appears two, four, seven sports. There's a number of analysts that are predicting he goes to Texas, um, which would be an interesting landing spot. And I don't know how much of I don't know how much these things are connected, but it also there's a lot of smoke about Gary Patterson being on the Texas staff in some sort of role. Um, so O'Shawn could, I guess, potentially follow him to Austin and follow him to UT. I know in that 3-3-5 scheme that Joe uh, Gillespie's bringing to TCU, um, his defensive ends in the past have been a little leaner, a little more athletic. O'Shawn is more of your traditional hand-in-the-ground you know, book in on a four-man front. Um, so I would imagine that's part of what's going on here too, but it's a significant loss. Now, um, is is Mathis irreplaceable? No. I mean, I think there's, there's ways to go about uh, 
getting guys in the fold that can do this, and it might be, again, through the transfer portal, which TCU has been working hard trying to get uh, players uh, via that medium. Um, one guy I, I think this could open up some opportunities for that I'm excited about is Landon Watson, uh, who you know has been patient his first couple of years on campus, and he was a, a big-time defensive end recruit a few seasons ago when he committed. So that's a name to watch. Uh, obviously, Dylan Horton, um, you know, started a lot of games last year. We saw Coleman get back into games late in the season. I'll, I want to see what Coleman's role is going to be in this new defense because he does have the athleticism and the ability to sort of play in, in some of those hybrid spots that you would uh, that you would normally – where you would normally see him just be a stand-up defensive end. Another guy I want to see where they put him is Shadrach Banks just because of his size, his ability, and his ability um, to, to make plays going sideline to sideline. So, uh, you know, there's still a lot of good pieces on this defense, but you lose Mathis, and it's significant. I mean, he has been, um, even if it hasn't been consistently against the best competition, he's been very productive for uh, the program over the last few years. So it's it's a big loss to try to figure out who might take that place. One more thing I want to share with you on the football side before we sign off for the day. Marcel Brooks is moving back to linebacker. Uh, Drew Davidson reported that. Brooks, the transfer from LSU, he came in during the COVID year in 2020 and was on defense. Um, didn't really get a whole lot of run, but was playing sort of a – a hybrid, you know, safety linebacker role. Uh, and then last season, transitioned to wide receiver. Um, didn't get a lot of opportunities there. That didn't work. So now back to the defense side of the ball. I mean, like, here's the thing. I'm not banking on much of anything from Marcel Brooks. If he ends up being a really good linebacker, that's great. And I think with his skill and athleticism, um, that's not out of the realm of possibility. But I just, I don't think you can count on much even with all the talent that he has from him right now, because uh, it's been a really up and down college career for Marcel so far. And the other thing I'd say is I just hope this coaching staff keeps him in one place. Like if he's going to be around for the next couple of years, turn him into a good linebacker, stop moving him back and forth. Um, stop with the offensive experiment. It obviously didn't work and that's okay. Not everybody has to be Deion Sanders, like playing both ways and making things happen and, being a big factor in the passing game on offense. Um, it is okay to just be a good safety or linebacker, or, you know, wherever it is that they end up putting him. But, um, yeah, he's going to get another chance on the defense side of the ball. So that will be interesting to see how it plays out. That'll do it for Locks on Horn Frogs today. Thank you for tuning in. I'll talk to you tomorrow to close out the week. Uh, again, it's part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day.